So we're continuing in our journey through 1 John, not the Gospel of John, but the first letter or epistle of John. And right now we're in 1 John chapter 3, 11 through 24, and I've entitled this sermon, Love in Action. Um, and let me just read the passage. Um, you can pull out your Bibles and follow along, or it'll be up there on the slides, or uh, your smartphone also probably has a Bible on it, so you can use that. Beginning in verse 11 of chapter 3 of 1 John, this is a message that you heard from the beginning. Love each other. Don't behave like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he kill him? He killed him because his own works were evil, but the works of his brother were righteous. Don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have transferred from death to life because we love the brothers and sisters. The person who does not love remains in death. Everyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know love. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. But if a person has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, and that person doesn't care, how can the love of God remain in him? Little children, let's not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. This is how we will know that we belong to the truth and reassure our hearts in God's presence. Even if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knows all things. Dear friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence in relationship to God. We receive whatever we ask from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. This is his commandment that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and we love each other as he commanded us. The person who keeps his commandments remains in God, and God remains in him. And this is how we know that he remains in us, because of the spirit that he has given to us. When I grew up in church, the Southern Baptist Church, pastor's kid, going to Sunday school, we had those felt boards, right? And you put like the burning bush felt, Right, and then Moses, or you did the nativity scene with the shepherds and put them. And I like to like tear them off and like put them upside down and wreak havoc on the felt board. But you know, to me, the gospel message was Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins because for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then you do the Romans road. 623, Romans 623, for the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. You get the equation. You were taught the equation. The equation was pounded in your head. God created you. All people sin. And because you sinned, God can't, some, for some reason, God and sin can't coexist. So you're destined for hell. But oh, God came up with this plan. Let me send my son. Right? Son was crucified on the cross. I need to just believe in his name, and then I'll go to heaven. Right? When I die, I'll go to heaven. And that's a good foundation, right? In a lot of ways, that's the truth. That's what we believe. But as I got older, I began to ask the question, then why are we on earth? Why am I even living my life? Right? Am I just waiting in a boat until... The day that Jesus comes, right? <laughs> what am I doing here? 
And why even care about the world? Why even care about other people? Right? All I have to do is, is believe in my personal Savior, Jesus Christ, and I'll go to heaven, right? I got it. I got it. I believe. Right? I'm going to heaven, and I have assurance of my salvation. My dad would say that all the time. Do you have assurance in your salvation? Why does it matter? But then when you look at scripture even more, in more depth, with those questions, you begin to see a God who chooses people, right? You begin to see a God who calls people, calls Moses to go back to his people and lead them out of captivity, right? God calls Gideon from a pit, right, trying to thresh wheat, living in fear to go and be a leader of his people. God calls Saul, who's persecuting the Christians, on his horse to Jerusalem, right? He calls him to be a minister to the Gentiles, a minister of the gospel. Why would lives matter, right? Why would individual lives matter and individual calls matter if God didn't care what was happening on earth. Does that make sense? And then when you look back at this backdrop, this beautiful backdrop of trees, right? In the fall, they were bare. In the winter, there was nothing on them. I know because I had to rake my yard, all these dead leaves, right? But now it's like full of life, full of green greenery. The world is full of life. And you look in scripture and you see things like God is going to restore all things. New heaven and new earth. Right? And we live in the here and not yet. Right? The kingdom of God, of heaven, is at hand, and yet it's also coming. Right? So this idea of we're kind of in process. We, as people of God, we are kind of like this taste, this foretaste of heaven. This foretaste of God's kingdom, this example of God's community on earth, where people, when they come into among us, they're like, this smells weird. Something's different, right? This, is a, this ain't like the world. People actually forgive each other. People actually love each other. People serve each other. And it's like, they like it. They have joy about it. Something's different. Out there in the world, I have to compete all the time. I have to give a front of who I am. Everything is about my resume and what I bring. Everything is about production. Everything is about how much can I do, do, do. And yet, when I'm in this different kind of community uh, of faith, of Christians, man, I feel freedom. Right? And so we're a foretaste. God's people, the church, is a foretaste of what will be later. But we're not yet at the same time because we all jacked up, right? We're messed up, right? We all get jealous. We all have envy. We all want to get ahead. We all lie, steal, cheat. We all gossip. We all don't call our mothers on Mother's Day. Forget to call our dads on Father's Day, which is in two weeks. Remember that. <laughs> um, that's not a plug, right? 
I want the some Adidas shoes that I want. It's on my Amazon want want list. Um, And so it matters, right? It matters. Taking care of God's creation matters because that's the vision that God is making all things new. It's not that he's going to destroy all things and like we're going to float. Like, I don't think I want that anyways. You think about it? I want to be with God for eternity and float. <laughs> I, what, is, what is that? I don't know. When we all get, go to heaven, we'll probably be like, oh, I didn't, I didn't see it that way. We'll all like see things, right? And God will be like, oh. <laughs> we don't know what it's going to be like. But my point in all of this is, we need to be relevant, right? We need to be in the world as God's people. And this is what John is saying. It matters how you treat each other and how you treat other people. Verse 11, this is the sermon, basically. This is the message that you heard from the beginning. Love each other, right? That's the sermon. We can all go home. Love each other, right? Simple. Love each other. We can go to Bible study. We can go to seminary. We can talk theology, right? Whether, you know, I don't know. We can talk all kinds of stuff, but the gospel can be summed up in love God and love each other. And what John is saying, this is the message that you heard from the beginning. When you first heard the gospel, the message and what, what I want to build a foundation in you and remind you of is that you need to love each other. And the reason why you need to love each other is because God loves you and you are a child of God. And like twilight, he's imprinted himself on you. And whether you've forgotten it or you get lost and you haven't found your way, there's something in us with the DNA, right? It says in our last passage, the DNA of God is on us. So that means that we're God's children. So when we're straying, even though it might be fun to stray, and even though, oh, it's kind of pleasurable, right? Or, oh, this, this works for me right now, right? Something in us is like, oh, I'm not home. It's not quite right. I'm just lost. I need to find home, right? And if you're like me, as a young, when I was a young, single, 20-year-old, right, straight out of college, man, the life, life before me, all I had was to live for myself, right? Travel the world, eat whatever I want, fart whenever I want. <laughs> this is from last week, sorry. Um, <laughs> I can do whatever I want, right? Eventually, everyone stops and asks the question, what's my purpose, right? Like, is there something bigger than myself? Or that fatherhood question, right? I need descendants, right? I need to spread my family name. Like, I need children, right? 
There's something like we want to create something. We want to like do something, right? We want to pour our lives into something. We want what we do to have meaning beyond feeding ourselves. We want to have meaning for other people. We want to help other people. And uh, basically, if you can go to the kind of outline. This is the outline of our passage because I know it's a big passage. It's kind of dense. So in the first part, John is saying, love each other. Really simple, right? Love each other, right? And there are lovers in the world and there are haters, right? Love each other and don't be like Cain. And you're like, wait, 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 Cain? And that's in Genesis, right? The story of Cain and Abel, the first uh, offspring of Adam and Eve, right? And Cain and Abel, uh, Abel was a, like he raised livestock, Cain farmed the land, and God said, bring me a sacrifice, an offering. And Abel brings him the first kind of, the best of his livestock, of his goats, of his sheep. And uh, Cain brings him the fruits of his land. Right? But there's no, you don't hear like first of his fruits, first fruits or anything like that. Um, and God was pleased with Abel's offering. Cain starts to get jealous, right? This anger starts brewing up in him. He's like, why? Like, why, why is my gift, why didn't God like give me a pat on the back? Right? And so basically, this angers in him, and he ends up hitting his brother with a rock and killing and murdering. The first murder, right? And he killed him. And uh, basically, John's like, this is the way of the world, essentially. And most of us are like, most of us don't kill our siblings with rocks, right? Most of us, oh, we got that. We're not killers. We're not murderers, right? We're good, right? But we murder people in our hearts all the time. Sarcasm, gossip, talking behind people's backs. Like if someone's succeeding and we think we should be succeeding, but they get lauded, what do we do? What's the first natural instinct? You see it in your workplaces all the time. Just, how can I chop them down? Chop, 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 chop. Right? Pastors do it too. Pastors do it too. He ain't that good of a preacher. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, they're just big because they're not preaching the real gospel. Right? They're not hardcore. They're not doing hardcore discipleship. Right? It's because I'm Asian. That's why no one comes. Right? It's because I'm short. That's why no one comes. Right? They just like him because he's a good looking pastor. Or they have all this band, bands and lights. Blah, 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 blah. Right? Cut, cut, cut. Right? Because the way of the world is, where do we get our worth in affirmation? We get our worth in affirmation by how we're performing, but not just how we're performing, but how we are evaluated by the people around us, pleasing other people. And that gives us worth. And when that's taken away... Actually, uh, an old professor of mine, looking at the Cain and Abel passage, says, it doesn't really say why God liked Abel's gift or didn't like Cain's gift. It doesn't say that. You can't assume anything. 
Maybe God just wanted to praise Abel that day. But what was in Cain's heart after that? How was his response? Right? His response was wanting to cut that down, cut the rival down. Right? So this is what John is saying. The world is full of haters, but you need to love each other. The world is full of haters. Don't be like, don't be a hater. And he goes on to say, don't be surprised in verse 13, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you, right? If the world hates you. He goes on to this whole thing about uh, the world is going to hate you, brothers and sisters, uh, because they know that you've been transferred from life to death. They know that you're a little different, right? And you're like, why? This is weird. Why does the world hate Christians? Because Christians are goody-goody or because they love so much? Why would, why would you hate them, right? And I went back to John 15. That was, a, that was the uh, passage that um, read, Sarah read. <laughs> um, <laughs> But Jesus talks about this, right, in the upper room discourse, right? If the world hates you, know that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, the world would love you as its own. However, I have chosen you out of the world, and you don't belong to the world. This is why the world hates you. The world will hate the disciples, Jesus is saying, because the world hated me. Even though I was loving, I did good things, why are they going to crucify me? I don't know. That's the world, right? How can you take something good and just murder it? I don't know. That's the world. And because the world hates me, the world is going to hate you. So don't be surprised that you're going to have resistance, right? And I think in the American church, us, Sometimes it's hard for us to think about persecution or think about even not being liked, right, for our faith. We're like, oh, persecution or sacrifice for your faith or suffering? Isn't that for, like, other countries, like missionaries in the Middle East or underground church in China, communist countries? In America, we have freedom of religion, right? Right? No one's going to hate us. Um, in one sense, yes, the persecution of the church in the West, in the United States, is not as intense, right? You're not going to get killed for your faith. But another, in another way, we deal with persecution all the time, right? Um, people who think differently or who judge us because of our convictions. But I think the, the challenge for us in the American church is it's easy for us to hide, right? It's, right? Someone would be like, are you a Christian? I remember in college, are you a Christian? Yeah, you know, like, yeah, I'm a spiritual person, right? Uh, Jesus, right? Buddha, Muhammad, you know, like, yeah. Um, so when push comes to sub, when it comes to our convictions, we're standing up for justice. Right? And truth, right? Being a prophetic voice in a world that's tearing and oppressing, right? And hurting women, children, people of other races. 
when it comes to standing up, right, that's when we can balk sometimes, right? So in that sense, uh, don't be surprised if the world hates it. And then the next part, John says, and this is where we need to listen. This is how we know love, right? As I, I mentioned before, oh, yeah, love each other, love each other, right? But when it comes to the rubber meeting the road, we're like, but what is love, right? What's love for you might not be love for someone else. What is love? Do you mean agape love? Do you mean eros, right? What is love? So when John said this is love, this is how we know love. We better pay attention. Oh, the Bible is saying this is what love is. So what is love? Jesus laid down his life for us. But then he makes a relationship to that. Jesus sacrificed his own life for other people. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Right? That's the ultimate, that's love defined is selflessness for the sake of other right and all of us in our lives know people right who gave up things for us right whether it's your parents siblings teachers all of us can point to love is that not right right all of us point to someone who sacrificed on our behalf and say oh i recognize that as love and all of us have been in relationships, whether it's puppy love or high school dating relationship, where we're like, no, that wasn't love. That was like vampire stuff, right? We're sucking from each other. Or that was whatever. <laughs> right? But we know that laying, when someone lays down their life, right? And maybe it's not, right? Maybe it doesn't mean we're going to die for someone. But laying down your life, it, it could mean a lot of things, right? It could mean uh, not being liked by a group of people in order to care for another person. It could mean uh, sacrificing a lot of your time, your precious time, in order to have compassion, you know, give that time to someone else. It can mean giving up our resources. Hey, things are tight this month. Every month things are tight, right? But so, there's someone in need. I want to give to them, right? That's love, right? And um, this is how we know is love, right? And if you ever wonder about leaders or people in authority, or like whether you should trust someone, like, oh man, I don't know what their motives are. Why are they asking me this? Just ask this question, right? Who is benefiting, right, from this? Right? That's a good sign, right? Let's move on. So the next section, this is love. And then here comes the Marshawn Lynch section. It's all about the action, boss, right? What is love? John gets right down and practical, right? If a person has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and that person doesn't care, how can the love of God remain in him? Little children, let's not love with words or speech, but with action and truth. 
This is how we will know that we belong to truth and reassure our hearts in God's presence. This is how you'll know if there's someone in your midst who's in need of material possessions. It's very tangible. And we don't care. Then you don't have the love of God in you. Right? And there's this tension in John, right? I was talking to Bradley about this, right? Because all of us have that Sunday school thing, right, too? Like, salvation by grace, right? Salvation by grace. So is this some sort of work salvation? Like, John keeps going to the ethical, right? He's saying your identity is in God. God you're going to be sinned, but God saved you, and he covers you. You're a child of God. You're covered by his grace. And yet he keeps pushing this, like, but you need to love. You need to love. You need to do this. So what gives? Like, so I was reflecting on this, and just the other day, uh, Isaiah plays soccer, and his coach, he's got a new coach, and his coach, we like it because his coach gave homework to all the kids. Like, you have to practice juggling every day. Like, 10 minutes a day, practice juggling. And you need to get, if everyone gets up to five, at least five juggles, you'll all bring candy for all of you. And so I'm trying to enforce this right at home. Like, Isaiah, get off your Kindle, right? And get off of YouTube and start juggling. He's like, no, nah, I'm a good soccer player. And I'm like, well, other kids are practicing and they're going to pass you. He's like, well, once they start passing me, then I'll work on it. Right? I'm already a good soccer player. As if, like, being a good soccer player is just this achievement that you get for all time. Right? It just comes on you. And so I'm like, no, it's a process, right? We all know logically, right, common sense tells us to be a great athlete, to be great at anything, you have to practice, right? You have to work at it. And we'll tell our children. We were told by our parents. We'll tell our coworkers. We'll tell those under us that we're supervising. You need to put work into it. If we're coaching, if you've taught anything, you need to le- take the baby steps in order to grow. And part of being in the now and not yet, part of being God's children in the world and it mattering is that we're growing, right? We're constantly growing into becoming more like the Father and having love more like, right? None of us are going to go die on the cross for all our people, all our friends out there, much less our enemies out there, much less everyone else in the world. Just, hey, let me just die for all of you guys. No one cares. We wouldn't do it. We would never do it, right? We're not there yet, right? It's clear. And yet God wants us to love as he loves. But it's a step-by-step thing. Right? We are being uh, changed day by day and transformed as we become perfect, to become full and whole in the future. And so um, it's a both and, right? We're saved, right? Our, it's about identity. God has saved us, and God's grace covers us. There's nothing we can do to get to heaven on our own just by pulling on our bootstraps. That power, that ability to save, that grace is all in God's. That's the gospel. It's all God's work, right? 
but we are also being transformed and made into something more than ourselves, right? And though that takes baby steps, right? And so that's what John's addressing right now is if you are God's children, you will naturally begin this growth process because it's a relationship. And the more you relate to someone, the more you'll become like that someone, right? The more you are walking and abiding and remaining in God, that's the language John uses, right? Walk, abide, remain. The more that you do that, the more that you will become like God, a God that gives of himself for the sake of others, a person that gives of himself for the sake of others. And this, the second thing I want to point out is how do you know what's inside a person, right? How do you know that person's a loving and good person, right? How do you know? I just look into Brandon's eyes, right, and I know, right? You know a person. It's love at first sight, right? I look into his eyes, and I saw his soul. I know that Brandon is a good person or a reliable person or a trustworthy person because of what? His actions, right? So our actions reflect who we are. And that's what John's talking about, right? And, okay, I'm going to push it a little bit more. We... I think we rest a little bit on like, it's all about grace, right? It's all about grace. I'm going to do whatever I want. God's grace covers me, right? It's grace. And that's true, right? You're never in a place too lost, too broken, too messed up where God can't redeem you and bring you back, right? But great, but we got to, we got to challenge ourselves a little bit. We got to challenge ourselves a little bit to be committed, right? To be disciplined, right? To walk faithfully. And John is saying, just like uh, the rich young ruler in Luke, he's like, what must I do to be saved? Well, follow the commandments, Jesus says. And the man says, oh, I've done all the commandments. What else can I do to be saved? Because he's feeling a little guilty, right? And Jesus says, okay, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and follow me. And all of a sudden it says, and the man went away sad because he is really rich, right? Jesus knew the right question to ask that would come to the heart issue. The man was rich. It was hard to let go of, right? And so this is what John is doing. Hey, if someone has material need, care about that and give it, right? Because you know what that's going to do? That's going to uncover whatever is in there that doesn't want to care, right? Are you with me? What makes it so hard for us to give to other people in need? It's like, no, that's mine. And that's what he's talking about. We can't talk about spiritual growth and faith without talking about action, right? Right? 
and it it's funny. I have a hard time being like the I like being the players' coach, not like the mean strict coach. So I told Janice this morning, I'm gonna be strict and like the strong pastor. And I'm already like, oh, have I like said too much? Like too much commitment. It's like we're the laid back church, right? People show up late. It's like it's all good. But inside, I'm like, it's not all good. (laughs) So why can't I say that? Hey. Why can't we get up early in the morning and sacrifice our sleep to worship God of the universe? Why can't you? Right? Amen? (laughs) Amen? We give our best. We like that girl or that guy. We dress up, right? We primp our hair. You got that cologne, right? I even... You know, we clip your fingernails when you don't usually clip your fingernails. You give your best, right, when you're trying to impress someone. If you're God's child, why don't you give your best, right? We need to push that a little bit. We need to practice and drill juggling. We need to practice our spiritual disciplines. We need to practice serving. We're so afraid of burning out that we never serve, right? I'm not making light of, you know, uh, needing self-care, right? Needing to take Sabbath. Needing to do things out of joy, right? But I think sometimes, uh, sometimes I think as a parent, I need to push my children a little more, right? Because it'll be good for them, right? And I think that's what John is doing. He's pushing his children a little more to be more like Jesus Christ because that is who we are. So consider other people, what it means to love people in your life and, and push yourself. But this brings us to the final thing. The Holy Spirit is transforming and reassuring us. We know about Jesus. He died on the cross to save our sins. We know about God. He's creator. He's the king. He's our father. The Holy Spirit, what's that all about? But that's what Jesus promised, right? I'm going away, but I'm sending an advocate, a comforter, right? A paraclete for you, right? And that's the real time. The Holy Spirit is real-time God working among us, right? Transforming our hearts and making us new. Amen? And that's the relational aspect. Holy Spirit is helping us when we can't do it, right? I'm selfish. I have nothing to give. Right? The Holy Spirit is helping. Right? And we need to, uh, I think we just need to pray more and even ask that question. Like, hey, here comes a homeless person. Just another person asking me for a dollar. Right? Right? What do I do? Should I give or not? Some people say don't give money. Some people say give money. Right? But just pray. Right? Just give it to the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to do more of. Like, should I give in this situation? Should I give to this person? Should I take this person in? Right? And let the Holy Spirit work on you where you're at. Amen? God, thank you so much uh, for the gift of your word. Thank you uh, for your love that you gave to us, that you sacrificed your son 
that you sacrificed your life uh, for our sake, for the sake of the world. And while we fall short all the time, and there's no way that we can be you, um, you are calling us to reflect more of your love uh, to the world, to people around us. And I, so I pray that, um, that we would learn to love each other and that we would learn to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters and that um, in our daily lives, in this week, uh, when somebody around us has needs, whether it's material possessions or even emotional needs, that we would, um, with the help of your spirit, have your love for that person. In your name, amen.